You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to another episode of the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. Guess what? We win in Christ. Please tag a friend and let them know that we are live. You can also get the audio of the the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast from. This is an exciting series that we began entitled Real Talk with Pastor Mike and Miss Pete. It's about our journey of marriage. Now, I have my guests with me. Two beautiful ladies to my side. On my right is my wife of 42 and a half years. Her name is Kanitha Joe Moore, but she's affectionately known as Pete. That's her nickname. And uh, the members of our church respectfully call her Miss Pete. Welcome, Pete, to this hey, everybody. Uh, podcast. To my left, I have my beautiful daughter, Tiffany, and she is going to serve as our facilitator today. So I want you to welcome Tiffany. Good to have you with us, Tiffany. Hello, everybody. Now, listen, this series has to do with our journey, my wife and I, Pete and I, 42 and a half years journey of marriage. And as we said in our last series, there are four phases of our marriage. We talked last week about the beginning. The second phase has to do with early marriage. The third phase has to do with growing marriage. And then the final phase has to do with a mature Marriage. Sometimes it's helpful to have an analogy. Jesus taught parables. He would take natural illustrations and communicate spiritual truth. So you would know where we're headed. I came up with an analogy. Let's talk first about a seed. Everything begins with the seed. The second phase, the seed has to be planted and it has to be planted in the ground. When the seed is planted, in the ground, it's in a dark place. It's hidden from sunlight. And then third phase of that, there's a sprout. There's the growing stage. And then finally, there is the mature stage. This is a pineapple. We're going to talk about that. So that's where we're going. We talked last week about the seed. And this session, this week, we're going to talk about early marriage. And remember the seed is below the surface of the ground, is hidden, no sunlight. In other words, light represents knowledge, information. So in this stage, you're going to see that my wife and I are steep in ignorance and darkness. We don't know much about each other and know very little about the Bible. So without further ado, I turn it over to Tiffany. Hello, hello, hello. Again, if you are just joining us, be sure to share this. I told you last week to invite somebody. So if you are invited, welcome to the live marriage talk. We're going to be talking. Again, you can send in any questions that you may have throughout this entire discussion. We won't be answering it 
on this actual um, time that we're going to be discussing marriage. But a few weeks later, we'll discuss any of the questions that you have and we'll answer those on the final weeks of this conversation. So again, be sure to to send in all of your questions that you may have. And then lastly, please be sure to share this. If it's not too late, invite somebody on to have this conversation with us. So just a little recap, as he talked about earlier, we we talked about the beginning of their relationship. We talked about how they met. We talked about how they got together in college and how they navigated a few different challenges in their relationships. And then they, we, we lastly uh, last talked off of him proposing. And then from the proposal, we go into where they eventually got married. And they're going to talk a little bit about that getting marriage and married and different things like that. So Miss P at this time, she went back to college. If I'm correct, you went back to college. OK. And then Pastor Mike, you stayed in. Right. You stayed in Alabama. And okay. went to law school. And went to law school. Okay. So they had a long distance marriage for about how long? How long did you have that? About nine months. Okay. So did y'all have any challenges in your long distance marriage? Well, um, we didn't really have any challenges because during those nine months, I was a senior in college. So my focus was on graduating from college. So uh, we communicated on the phone, but... We didn't really have any challenges because I was focused on working and going to college. So I don't remember any issues during that nine months. Uh, I don't think we saw each other uh, much. So we just talked on the phone. So really, our issues didn't start right there. So we, you know, we got married August the 18th, uh, 1978. Pete went off to finish graduating from college. Mm -hmm. I went to law school. Mm -hmm. So technically, we were married in paper only. Okay. And, you know, the bottom line only, we felt like we had to get married now. Yeah. And so uh, we got married. I went to law school, so I'm engaged in law school. I don't have any responsibility because I'm not taking care of her. Uh, and she's graduating from school. She's concentrating on us. The interesting thing about the interim of that nine-month uh, period is around uh, November, I got right in the middle of law school, I got called into ministry. Oh, my. Now, <laughs> I had a decision that I wanted to, I needed to make. I didn't talk to Pete about it, but I quit law school because I felt like I couldn't do it and at that time, you could only work a few, uh, so many hours a week. So I was working at the library 15 hours a week. So I quit going to law school. So I had a job working 15 hours a week from January to the time she graduated in May. Wow. So you didn't even talk to me about leaving. <laughs> no, I didn't talk to you. I didn't talk to you about, I didn't talk to her about, uh, I think I told you after I quit law school, uh, I didn't talk to her about that. And uh, then I just thought, you didn't even take care of me them nine months. I took care of my, <laughs> took care of my own. So y'all had a non-traditional start to your marriage. Yeah, because we felt like if we didn't get married at that point, we weren't, I was going to graduate and go to Chicago with my sister. And I just felt like it was going to end. So it was a combination. We had to get married. Remember, we didn't want to fornicate. 
burn. Yeah, we want to burn. And then we were afraid, so we got married out of fear. We felt like if we don't get married now, and she go back to Kentucky, and I'm here, there's a good chance we won't get married. So we got mm. married, kind of. So is it true to say that you guys really wasn't prepared, but you, you just felt really in love at that time, and you knew y'all wanted to get married? Yeah, we was nowhere prepared. Nowhere. We we didn't we didn't have, you know, a a, a lot of um, uh, young people or people that come to this church. They can't really say that we didn't know anything about premarital counseling. We didn't know about because uh, I wasn't even saved at that time, and Mike was saved, uh, but he didn't really have information like we said last week. So we didn't know about premarital counseling. We just knew that if we didn't get married then, it was mm -hmm. going to probably be over. Okay. And so I loved him. He loved me, and we did. And that and those nine months. That's when we, that wasn't when we had the trouble. Ooh, that's a long time. Nine months. Okay. So nine months. Y'all had a long distance marriage, and then you came to the conclusion that y'all are gonna come live with each other, and y'all decided to move back to Alabama. Is that correct? Right. Okay. So After my dad had said no, we went on and got married oh, anyway. We eloped. <laughs> yeah, we eloped. Okay, so y'all went ahead and eloped, and then you eventually said, okay, we're going to be together, and you decided to move back to Alabama. Uh -huh. Can you tell me a little bit about how that how that happened? Well, you know, uh, she graduated in May. Okay. We married, so we got to get together. Uh, she couldn't go home, so she got to come with me. Okay. And so. But the reason why I couldn't come home because I live in a small town and the only occupation was coal mining. Okay. And so that was going dwindling down. He didn't want to be no coal miner. And, then, and <laughs> then, I didn't want to go home. And then my ego wouldn't have let me go to her house. Okay. Because I wanted her dad and her family to think that I'm responsible and all that. Uh -huh. You know, you asked the question whether we were prepared or not. To say that we were not prepared is an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That there, you know, this is darkness. We we don't know anything about the word. We don't know anything about marriage, and we don't know anything about not each so. other. But she got to go somewhere. Yeah. So I, you know, we decided that she would come home with me, and home with me was with my mother. And you don't really you don't really know a person when you're dating, that's a form of knowing someone, but you really get to know someone when you marry, living with them 24/7, seeing the good, bad and the ugly. So we were kind of in fantasy island those mm -hmm. 9 months. It's when I moved back to when I moved to Birmingham when reality really came to play. And I began to know him. He began to know me because I didn't really know him and he didn't really know me. We knew of each other, mm -hmm. but we didn't really. You don't really know a person until you live with them and see the ups and the downs, the good and the bad and the ugly. And see that summer, she graduated in May. The summer she came home. So we in my mother's house. Mm -hmm. One, Which was not a good decision. Was, yeah, let's let's let's, let's, go with, decision, let's go into that. But but remember, she doesn't have a job. I'm working 15 hours a week, so technically we don't have work. <laughs> and so you remember we were watching them soap operas. I I wrote down some stuff. I was thinking about when I came to Birmingham. So I wrote that I moved to a new state. 
mm-hmm. from Kentucky to Alabama. No relatives, nobody even close to Alabama. I was jobless. Mm-hmm. Now, this show you why I wasn't qualified to get married. I had just graduated. I moved away from my family, didn't have anybody here. I loved him to, mm-hmm. to come to another state. Um, uh, living with his mama, that was not a blessing, mm-hmm. but it was good for that moment. I really, really loved Mike. I really did. And so living here with his mom, that's not the ideal situation because that's two women with two different opinions, old school, new school. Yeah. You know, that's that really wasn't And we didn't really know each other. We knew of each other. We didn't know each other's habits. We didn't know each other's likes, dislikes, quirks, and all that. So, you know, that was a lot on a college kid. All that new environment, living with mama, just graduated. No money. No money. No job. Yeah, that could yeah. be a lot. So let's talk about in-laws, okay? What was your relationship like with his mom? So, okay, his mama was an older lady, and I'm about 24 years old. So Tell by the fact that my yeah, dad had died. His dad had died. We were living in a four-room house, not a four-bedroom, a four-room and I had, we had one of those rooms. So you newly married, you want to have sex, <laughs> your mama in the next, his mama in the next bedroom. So that was not a blessing. Everything had to be in that one particular space. New York people, they know how to do that, but you know, we don't. One, one particular room, everything had to go up under the bed. So one day I had, it was a, I think it was a Sunday. I had invited some friends over. She said it was okay. I asked her, was it okay? I forgot what I did, and she didn't like it. And she called me a black helper. (laughs) (laughs) So what she called me that night, I was taught to respect my parents. So Pastor Mike wasn't at home. He was over some friends' house. So I called him up and said, hey, your mama called me a black helper. Now, I can't handle this. What you going to do? So Michael felt like he was in a twix, you know, between his mom who had just had her husband to depart and his new wife. So you go from there. Well, you know, when she let me know what they were dealing with. (laughs) (laughs) Hey. Well, I'm just 24 years old. You was 25. (laughs) You had one more year with him. I was 25 years old. Okay. I'm in my mother's house. Okay. I love my mother because it was just her and my dad. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they raised me from a three-month-old baby. They had been married for 50 years. Mm-hmm. Okay. So my dad died in May. Mm-hmm. We got married in August. Okay. So my mother is, is really dealing with that grief thing. She lost my dad. Mm-hmm. And then I got married two or three months later. So in a sense, she felt like she lost me. Mm-hmm. So she's dealing with these emotions. And then Pete and I trying to get to know each other. And you still had some grief that you probably were dealing with as well with your father. There's so much going on. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen. He have time to concentrate I, on that. I had so much going on, I didn't. I couldn't hardly think. So I'm in this house, and Mama is at one side, and she looking at me, want me to defend her. Mm-hmm. And then Pete is on this side, and she looking at me like, I dare you. Mm-hmm. I just dare you to take her side. So I'll be honest with you, I just dropped my head like that. I don't know what happened to it. I just <laughs> kind of dropped my head. And then I told Pete I was going to talk to my mother. 
So I went and talked to my mom, and I said, Mom, I said, now you know I love you, and I know you love me. I know you love me, but Pete is my wife, and I say, you can't put me in this kind of position anymore because I said, now, if you put me in this position again, I'm going to choose her. Mm-hmm. And I told my mother, I'm, but see, I don't have a lot of leverage because I'm, living in, I'm living in her house. Right. Okay, but I told her, and when I said that, she heard me. Mm-hmm. She heard me. I said, Mom, you've put me in this position. I'm going to choose my wife because that's my wife. Yeah. So don't put me in that position. And I think somehow it kind of helped us a little bit. And then after that, that one incident, we, I never had any problems with his mom. You know, eventually we moved out. Yeah. of the house after what how many six months maybe six months six months we moved to a, a rental house uh but over the over she died at 92 93 92, 93 and i loved his mom just so like eventually build a relationship yeah we built a relationship i love miss mary she was my little road dog going to the stores and stuff and to the restaurants and i fell in love so we started out with the in-laws in a negative with my dad, which eventually changed, okay. and with his mom, which eventually changed. It wasn't just lovey, lovey, dubby, dubby mm-hmm. at the beginning, but it ended in a great relationship yeah. with both our parents. And even in the interim, uh, during those broke days, my mom would say, I got $20. And she, <laughs> hey, she said, I got $20. And she would take And that, that was before Mike and Tiffany uh, were born. She said, I got $20. And so we would go to Quincy's or go oh, somewhere. Quincy Rose. Go yeah. somewhere and eat and stuff like that. So it turned out great. It really did. So we want to bring you all's, um, your, your relationship into reality with some people at home. You may be during the quarantine, you may have had to bring your in-laws in your home with you or your some uh, marriages, married people may have had to move in with their parents. So what advice would you give people who are having to deal with their in-laws in a living situation? Well, I think one of the things you have to realize is that if you're moving in as a young married couple into your parents or his parents' house, you have to respect that that is their house Mm -hmm. and that is their rules. And so if they say, you know, they want you all to, they don't want you coming in three and four o'clock in the morning in their house, that's their house. And you have to abide by their rules. Whatever their rules are, if you want to live there, you have to basically abide by them until you can get, get your own place. And then, you know, two women... Sometimes they say no two women should be in the kitchen together. Mm-hmm. Um, you just going to have to respect whoever the woman of the house. You got to respect that that is her house. But then you have some relationships, no matter, even if you do respect, you're going to have trouble. Um, and you just have to be patient, zip your lip until you can get out of their house. That's my you know. I think uh, parents usually are sympathetic and want to help uh, their adult children or whatever on a temporary basis. I think the adult children need to respect the fact that this is not your house. And you can't run it like it's your house. And I think that it's important to think about uh, respect the blessing of being able to be somewhere. Yes. You know, think about it. That they even offered you to I had come. I had nowhere to take my wife. Mm-hmm. I had nowhere to take her. And the fact that my mother was willing to allow us 
to be in there that that period of time, it was a blessing. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when you are immature, you you try to operate in someone else's home like it's your home. You know, it, it wasn't our house. It was my mother's house. And so that motivated us to want to get yeah. our own place. Yeah. And then I, I got a little job. <laughs> so I think that that could be true for any um, parent relationship with your. So if you are a um, parent and you have a relationship with your children, that can go whether if you're helping them financially. Children, you need to respect the decisions that they have with helping you financially. So it may not just be a living situation. So mutual respect is Um, a very important key for in-laws. All right, so you all ended up moving. I heard you say that you ended up moving into your own house. What was your financial life like at this point of your relationship? Um, I think by the time we moved into our first home, we both had jobs, but they weren't jobs that are four years of college Mm kind of jobs. They were a job. Mm -hmm. I think my first job was I worked at a, um, uh, Roosevelt City Hall, and it was a result of a friend of mine from Kentucky. She hired me to uh, work at Roosevelt City Hall. So we, our finances had gotten a little better. Mm-hmm. And I got a job. Now I'm I'm an honor student, uh, done well. But after after I quit law school, I didn't have a plan. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't know. All I knew is I was calling to ministry, mm-hmm. but I didn't have a plan. I didn't know how I was going to take care of her. But I was raised to, if I'm going to be married, that I'm supposed to take care of my family. Mm-hmm. I, that was instilled in me. So a friend of mine was working in a, a department store, and he uh, put in a word for me to get a job, mm-hmm. and I started working at a department store as a janitor. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people would not have wanted to work as a janitor with a four-year degree. W- with a degree, yeah. and I'd been, you know, I had started law school. I was on every honor society you could be on in college, mm-hmm. and here I am. I'm working a, a job as a janitor, but to me. I would have took anything that was legitimate to Mm -hmm. take care of my family. I didn't think about the fact that I was a little embarrassed sometimes Mm -hmm. sweeping the floor and and cleaning the closet. And somebody booked it in the closet one time and Mm -hmm. I had to clean. They called me to clean the closet. (laughs) And And you used to hide from your friends. I used to be hiding. You know, I'd be sweeping and stuff. (laughs) And I see people, I'd be hiding. So let me ask you this question for husbands who, let's say, maybe they lost their job during the quarantine and they're kind of struggling with taking care of their family. What advice would you give husbands when it comes to pride, when it comes to, you know, like you said, you you wanted to take care of your family with this job. So what advice would you give for someone who may have lost their job during this time and they want to take care of their family? The, 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 The advice I would give is change your mind about having to have your dream job Mm -hmm. and think about what can I do in a legitimate way to bring in income to take care of my family, regardless of what that is, as long as it's legitimate. And the key to that is to realize it's temporary. It's temporary. You know, I knew I wasn't going to be there forever, but it was temporary. Sometimes uh, guys don't want to work a job that they think that they are beyond. But to me, 
I wanted some income. I wanted to contribute to Pete. I wanted to take care of Pete. I wanted to, I wanted to bring, I wanted to be able to pay bills. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was a blessing when I got that job. I saw it as a blessing. Yeah. Now I was a little embarrassed because I know that that there was more for me. I know mm -hmm. I could do more, mm -hmm. but at the same time, that's just you where pay them bills. you got to pay those bills. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't want to depend on anybody to pay our bills. At one point in that time, we were, we, we were, uh, did we apply for food stamps? Uh, you had me in the line. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we was in the line. Cause uh, I, you I, tried to get me to get a, uh, uh, an apartment in the project. In the project. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Because you had some money back then. You yeah, had I ain't never lived in no, and that's nothing wrong with the projects. Don't write me no letter. Ain't nothing wrong with the mm -hmm. project. But for me, I had never been to no projects. And uh, Michael was trying to get me to go to the projects. I think I talked him out of that one. We, well, like, we was nah. in line. We was in line downtown. And then we both got embarrassed and we came out. And, and here again, let's, let's reiterate. We're not saying we're above the project. We're not saying people who live in the project don't have value. We're not saying that at all. We're saying the fact that we felt like there was more for us and we wanted more for us. But I was willing. I mean, I, I was willing to do whatever it takes. I think it, even if you have a mindset, this is where you are. Don't think that's where you're going to be the rest of your life. But even in that time that uh, our income wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't um, equal to college degrees. I can say uh, we never had any creditors knocking on our doors because mm -hmm. we paid them bills. We never lacked food to eat. We ate what we wanted. We didn't eat beans and rice and you know, we ate what we wanted. We paid all our bills. We didn't owe anybody anything because our first priority, we had prioritized what we needed to do. And we paid our bills and we ate and we took care of our business. Now, we didn't have much else. Mm -hmm. We didn't have no, we went seven years without furniture in that, that first house. Uh, I didn't have a lot of, well, my parents gave me money for clothes. <laughs> Pastor Mike, he had the, he had a blue a blue jacket, a beige jacket, and a burgundy jacket and ties, and he mix matched it all the time, and I felt sorry for him. Um, so, so time now, let me ask you this question: Your parents gave you money for clothes. She always how, had clothes. How did you feel she about always, her parents? She giving, always had clothes. How did you feel about her parents giving giving her clothes? Are you okay with it? I'm fine with it. I just didn't want her to tell her parents. I didn't want her to ask her parents for money. I just tell them, don't ask them. Put, Don, don't, don't, don't ask them for any money. And I, I didn't ask them. They just blessed me. And, mm -hmm. and, and I didn't want her to tell them what shape we were in. Mm -hmm. We was in some bad shape. We was, in, we, was in some, we was in some pretty bad shape. Pete said that we paid our bills. We didn't, we didn't, there were two rooms in that start, that uh, rental house that we had. There was nothing in it. There was no furniture in it. Mm -hmm. And then the refrigerator and the stove, we went to Farsdale, mm -hmm. and we went to this place. We paid $35 for one and about 50 for the other. I think one of the great things that we so, did in the first years of marriage is that we we weren't trying to keep up with the Joneses yeah, because a lot, of, 
a lot of our college friends, they were living large. I mean, they were living large, doing well. And I, I think one of the things, I came from a small, small rural town, and it didn't take much to satisfy me. So I think that was great. I, I didn't really want, you know, it didn't bother me that I had seven years without furniture. Uh, I was in love, child. I was in love with Pastor Mike. Um, and so I think one of the things that really blessed us, we didn't try to keep up with the Joneses. I see a lot of young people sometimes going in debt at the first years of marriage because they're trying to impress their mom and dad, her mom and dad, his mom and dad, yeah. and trying to impress their friends, and they go in <clears throat> debt. And I think that was uh, one thing that we really did well. We paid our bills on time, and we didn't keep try to keep up with the Joneses. You know, one of the things that, when you talk about finances, we didn't have finances. We didn't have a lot of money. We managed it well. Yeah. We didn't have a lot of money. Pete never, I never felt pressure from her mm. about you got to buy this except the Easter dress. You could tell about the Easter dress. But I never felt pressure from her about things. Yeah. You know, you got to have this and you got to have, I was doing the best I knew how to do. Mm-hmm. And and really, it bothered me. Pete said it didn't bother her. It bothered me because when I looked around at some of my friends who had graduated from college and, and I was supposed to be the guy who was supposed to be so successful, mm-hmm. I was embarrassed. I really was embarrassed. I was ashamed. I felt like I was a failure. I felt like I'm not doing well, mm-hmm. you know. We couldn't take vacations. We couldn't go on a vacation, you mm-hmm. know. We couldn't do any that. So I felt, I felt bad about it. Mm-hmm. We didn't have any furniture in that room. Pete, uh, during the summer, she put aluminum. We didn't have air conditioning. We have air conditioning, <laughs> and she put. And then the air conditioner ran out of your car that time. And so uh, she put aluminum foil in the windows. To reflect mm-hmm. the sun. <laughs> <laughs> to reflect the sun. It was still hot in the house. but So yeah. couples, in the beginning, in the early years of your marriage, remember to give each other grace. If you, wives, if you see that your husband is trying Give him grace because, like Pastor said, he was doing the best that he could. So remember to give each other during those early stages of marriage grace. We have so much more. We are literally just at the beginning of the early stages of marriage. But before we go into that, make sure that you continue to send in your questions. I see that we have a lot of questions that are coming in. Continue to send those questions in. As a reminder, we won't be answering it on this time, but a few weeks down the road, we will be answering. We'll take a whole session just answering you all's questions. And then again, if you're just tuning in, please remember to share this video and invite somebody else on as well. So let's talk about you guys moved out of the house. You were in this house. What did that first year of marriage look like now that you're out of your, your mom's house and y'all have your own house? What did that first year of marriage look like? Well, we were so happy to get in that house, get out of his mama's house. We was just thrilled to get out of his mama's house. But then <laughs> uh, he was called into the ministry. No, I was called a pastor. He was called a pastor. <laughs> and I was like, 
That's when the darkness really <laughs> hit, hit the house. Call the pastor because I didn't really have a, a good image of a pastor from growing up. You know, my mom to take up clothes for the pastor. The pastor looked tired. Well, the pastor looked sharp most of the time. The wife looked tired. The little children looked tired. We giving food to the to the pastor's wife. So I didn't really have a great image of the for the pastor. And so Mike kind of started Bible study in our house. He didn't ask me <laughs> about having Bible study. He just did it. <laughs> then that's not good advice. You need to communicate. No communication. Then the people came in my house. He started Bible study. So they thought that this was the church house. They well, we started the church then. Yeah, they were in my refrigerator. So the people at the church would come to your house. No, they was having Bible study. They would go in my refrigerator. During Bible study. They during would go Bible in your study, refrigerator. In my refrigerator, get what they wanted to drink. Uh, then they would stay late at night. If, if Bible study was over nine, they might not leave at 12. I didn't have no say so. So, Pastor, what, what was going on in your, in your mind? Well, you didn't ask. Really? Let me give you, a, give me a timeline. I got saved in 77. October. Okay. okay. The uh, the next year in seven to eight we got married, some baby in Christ. Okay. The next year I got called into ministry. Okay. I'm a baby in Christ. Okay. And then the next year I'm pastoring the church, so I'm a baby in Christ. So uh, we started the Bible study, and we kept it going on Wednesdays, but we started the church mm -hmm. in the house with four people. Mm -hmm. I didn't ask her because the Lord. <laughs> I didn't let. So we had children's church. We had children's church. church. We, the house was about five rooms. We had somebody in every room doing Bible study. Uh, he didn't ask. I was young. I was immature. I felt like God was calling me. Okay. Okay. And she needed to get on board. <laughs> okay. I. I I, I had Pete So all, she wasn't on board? Why was she? Well, I, you know. I, I wasn't even saved at that time, so you know I wasn't on board. Uh, no. Because they used to go, Mike and them you used to go. You were saved after we started the church. You got saved at Grace Chapel. I got, I got saved at, at Grace Chapel, at Ernest Chapel. So, but we at the house now. You just started. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I wasn't really feeling that. And, um, yeah, Mike was. My, was that at Ernest Chapel? You start doing the weird stuff. Um, it was early in my uh, when I started the church. Yeah. So what was the question? What was, the, what was some of the weird stuff that he would do? Well, you know, he was new to the faith ministry, and I, you know, I didn't grow up in no Christian environment, so I didn't. I, I basically, I'm being honest, I didn't know the difference between Jesus and God. That just showed it. I was not brought up <laughs> in no Christian home, and so I'm looking to him. He grew up in the church, you know, taught in the church, so I'm thinking he know what he doing. <laughs> uh, wrong. And so he got into the faith ministry. You know, faith and, and, and let's talk transition, tongues, healing, and demons. Okay, the we'll tongue. go with the healing. Tongues. Healing. Tongues. We'll go with the healing. <laughs> so, a lack of knowledge. He thought that God had healed his eyes. He prayed God healed his eyes. So he threw away his contacts, threw away his glasses. One time we was driving on the interstate. We right in Ensley, getting on the road, and I heard. Oh! <laughs> And I look back, an 18-wheeler was 
that close to us. Now I'm following the man <laughs> that wants to know about faith and God. Ooh, that's a good submission, honey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then one time, I wasn't with him then. Michael was, what you back and back? I almost hit the side of that building. He almost hit the side of a building because he said the Lord. You didn't have your glasses on? Uh, oh, no. I, I, uh, <laughs> I prayed. And I stepped on my glasses and, and cracked them all up. And then I threw my contacts in the pasture. Now, I'm looking to him for the example <laughs> of God and faith. And then one time he came in the house, he was like, he didn't ask. He said, Pete, take them aisles off the wall. And I'm like, for what? He says, demons in it. <laughs> so I don't know. That demons can't get in it. So I took So the, you had owl statues at, owl on the, the wall. Oh, okay. And he said demons. He had read this book, Pig in the Parlor, right? <laughs> and everything had a demon in it. And so he told me, take them down. So after a while, if you say your, your eyes healed and somebody's going to hit then you say, God healed your eyes and you almost ran into a brick wall. I can take my glasses off and see a brick wall behind me. He couldn't see a brick wall. And then he had, uh, but this was more at the Presbyterian Church. Yeah. He had got into speaking in tongues. So he, he had the people lined up and they were shandara, shandara. And I'm looking, what the fool this is? <laughs> he was always introducing something new. I didn't come from that environment. So I was like, child, this man out there. So when he was doing all, because see, in my mind, if he doing all this crazy stuff, I would be thinking like, something's wrong with him. Did you did you ever have any She loved me. I loved him. <laughs> <laughs> she loved me. I loved him. I, I, was thought, a good, I was a good man, wasn't I? He was a good man. I thought, <laughs> I thought he knew what he was talking about. But that time, that took it to another level because some of them were falling out and stuff. Uh -huh. And then one time we went to a church in Tuscaloosa and Micah prayed for a demon to come out of a lady. And she was sitting on her, and she was just wiggling and foaming and stuff. And I was like, what the fool is this? So he he had me somewhere everywhere, but I loved him because I stayed with him. Ooh, that's good. I, you know, here, here, I came out of denominational setting. I didn't know anything about speaking with tongues. I didn't know anything about healing. I didn't know anything about deliverance. So once I got saved and filled with the Spirit, Every time I learned something, I was trying to do it. So when I found out about the tongues, you know, so I started praying for the people in the church to speak in tongues. And that was during the time when I stood up. I couldn't get a message that Sunday. That was at the Presbyterian Church. That was at the Presbyterian Church. I couldn't get a message, you know, so I figured, the Lord, we're going to talk to the people in tongues. Mm -hmm. So I stood up. On Sunday morning, after the choir was sung, mm -hmm. and I spoke out for about 20 minutes in tongues, and then I sit down, uh, you know, the door of the church opened and all that kind of stuff, and then we closed and left. Mm -hmm. So I'm just doing all, and then I found out about healing, and so I thought, wow, this is great. And so I figured, like, okay, if I'm healed, then get rid of these glasses. So I stepped on my glasses and broke them up so I couldn't use them anymore. And I took my contact and throwed it in the pasture so I couldn't see. But and at the same time, you know, I was I was in love and I was following them, but Christianity still didn't look good to me because of all the foolish stuff he did. So one time they were getting ready to go witnessing. Now, they was getting ready to go witnessing. <laughs> And they said, come on, we're getting ready to go. I said, I ain't finna go no witness. I'm watching Soul Train. 
I love Soul Train and I love American Bandstand. So I was watching Soul Train. So we were, um, I wasn't saved at that time. Pastor Mike was. He really didn't have no business with me because I was not saved. And we went through them dark days of one saved and one uh, not saved. I eventually got saved when he pastored the Presbyterian Church. But even with us both being saved, we still had a lot of we still had a lot of issues because in the Presbyterian Church, Pastor Mike was trying to make me into somebody that I was not. Mm-hmm. He had me foolishly, you know, trying to follow him. But at the same time, in the back of my mind, Christianity is not looking. The church and pastoring is not looking good to me. Mm-hmm. He had me in the choir. I sung a song. The Holy Ghost got the whole got a hold of me, and then uh, I know I can't sing. And the older lady, she said, "Girl, you sung that song." So I said, "I began to think I can sing for real." <laughs> he had me uh, singing. He had me ushering. And that's I how hated. she was. She was ushering. She. Boom, I as- hated ushering. He had me doing everything he wanted me to mm-hmm. do, and I think that's sometimes a mistake that young people make and sometimes older people too but more young people is trying to make somebody into something you want them to be and not who they want him see I'm not going to be happy doing what he want me to be I have to pray and ask God what is my purpose in life what does God want me to be not what he wants me to be Mm -hmm. but what does God want me to be and so when he was trying to make me into um the pastor's wife, which I really didn't have no good image of. He was trying to make me into that woman, and I didn't want to be that woman. So there was rebellion. Mm-hmm. There was rebellion. He say up, I'm going down. He say left, I'm going right. So we had a lot. So when, communication we, was a little <laughs> off at this and time? And we talked about it. We were talking about it. Because really, I felt trapped. Mm-hmm. Because when I when I... When I married Mike, he was not a pastor. Mm. He he had was in the ministry. That's okay to be a I minister. Go to party, dance. Yeah. He he told me I couldn't listen to the music, and, but I listened <laughs> anyway. Cause he said up, I went down. Uh, what was I saying? About me making you in. Yeah, he was trying to make me into something that I was not, and and that and that's not gonna work. You you gotta find out what God wants you to do, cause I was unhappy mm-hmm. trying to be who He You're wanted me to be. You feel trapped. Yeah, I felt trapped because when I married him, he, I knew he was a minister, but he wasn't no pastor. Now you're a pastor, and, and then the examples of of that I saw the the crazy stuff he did and. Uh, you know, you just didn't seem like you could have no fun, and um, I it just we just went. Through so it. we got we got two people, mm-hmm. and we love each other. Mm-hmm. Okay, I sometimes love is not enough. Yeah, and and maybe later we could talk about the different phases of love, but we got two people. We don't have agreement. Mm-hmm which goes back to that unequally yoked thing, but it wasn't just unequally yoked. It was immaturity. Mm -hmm. Okay, I didn't know who I was marrying. She didn't know, because we didn't know nothing about our purpose. So I'm trying to figure that out. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to go this way, and Pete trying to go that way, and Mm -hmm. I felt sorry for her, and we talked about it, uh, because she felt trapped, and I felt trapped. 
Yeah. Okay. I feel trapped. She feel trapped. We're in a marriage. We love each other. It wasn't that Pete didn't love me. She loved me. Mm-hmm. I loved her, but it got so bad that we ain't, we want to we ain't want to be married. I didn't want to go home. I mean, I, and I didn't want you to. Come and home. she didn't want me to come home. I, it was terrible. It was. It was just. It was miserable. It mm-hmm. was. It was like I felt like she had deceived me. Because mm-hmm. I felt like this. She was this way when we got married. She just quiet, you know, stuff and, and all that. And then when I married her, she was like. <laughs> <laughs> so I felt like she tricked me. And I she, felt like you she felt me. like I tricked her because, see, I'm going to law school and I've mm-hmm. got these visions, got this dream, mm-hmm. and then I'm a, a minister and I don't know where I'm going to go. And I, I'm not making a lot of money mm-hmm. and I don't have no vision, I don't have no dream, I don't know where I'm going to go. I'm trying to figure out ministry, I'm trying to figure out marriage, I'm trying to figure out all this stuff. It's yeah. a lot to figure out. Yeah. And so we weren't we weren't prepared. And then another thing that we uh, issue in our first years of marriage, we had issues. You know, Pastor Mike was uh, adopted um, by his aunt, uh, and so you know he was trying to figure out why his mama and dad didn't want him. And so anytime I didn't want him, he reflected back to his childhood. And then I had issues of. uh, low self-esteem, and so you got um, rejection. He feeling rejection. I'm feeling low self-esteem, and I'm looking for him to make me happy. Mm-hmm. And I maybe he thought I was gonna. I, he can't make me happy. Yeah, I have to find from God what's my purpose. What is my purpose in life? No individual can make you happy. And I think sometimes in your early years of marriage, you're looking to that individual to make you happy. And nobody can make you happy. You have to make yourself happy. And you have to get in God's word. See what he wants mm-hmm. you to be. What he wants you to do. And and not Michael can't define my purpose. Yeah. God has to define my purpose. I can't define his purpose. God has to define his purpose. And I think that's why it's so important when young, before young couples get married, they, they go through premarital counseling. Michael has a saying that he said a lot in church, you see me now or you see me later. Yeah. If you don't see somebody now with premarital counselors, you're going to see somebody later. Mm-hmm. And uh, we didn't we didn't know about premarital counseling and premarital counseling. They discuss, you know, uh, communication. communication, agreement, Acceptance. Uh, division of labor, uh, children, uh, issues that you may have, issues that she may have. But we didn't have any of that. And it wasn't because we were we didn't want it. We didn't know about it. Whereas today, young couples, they have a chance to get premarital counseling. A lot of them don't want it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not a guarantee that it's going to be all perfect. You know, you got to do the work. You got to do what you hear. But premarital, to get premarital counseling is a good prerequisite before you get married. Because you, you think you know a person in dating, you don't really know that person. Mm-hmm. You know that person when you live in with them. Yeah. And so that their little quirks that may work your nerve, and then my quirks that may work his nerve, 
you gotta you got when you premarital counseling, you'll know some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But a lot of young people, premarital counseling is not gonna tell you don't marry him or don't marry her. Premarital counseling gives you information that maybe you didn't know. You talk about different issues, but a lot of people think if I go through premarital counseling, the pastor's gonna tell me I don't need to marry him, I don't need him. No, nobody can tell you that. That's your decision to make. Mm-hmm. And if a person wanna marry somebody, like my dad said, no, did we do it? We did it anyway. If somebody want to, so premarital counseling is just to give you information yeah. about the person. I think I'm hearing a, a few things that you guys are, are, are talking about. There's a difference between being loved and prepared. So you guys talked about that financially you weren't prepared. And then it also sounds like that emotionally y'all weren't really prepared. Well, we had some issues. We had, you know, when you, when you get married, you find out a lot about the person, but you find out a lot about yourself. Mm-hmm. And P has some insecurities. She felt low self-esteem, mm-hmm. unrelated to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. I will, I all my life I grew up with a healthy parents who raised me. Mm-hmm. Wonderful parents. But I had this thing on the inside of me that I was giving away. Mm-hmm. And I always wondered why did my birth dad and my birth mom want me. So I was struggling with that. And I didn't know I was dealing with rejection, but I was dealing with rejection. So whenever Pete didn't want to do something, I felt like she didn't love me. Mm-hmm. And so I, I went through this phase. She don't even love me. Mm-hmm. She don't even, she don't even love me. So, but what I did realize is that I wasn't healthy. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know I was healthy. One day I was praying. And I asked the Lord, what's wrong with me? And he said, rejection. Mm-hmm. So technically, every time she was, see, when you're in a troubled marriage, when you're in a troubled marriage, and we were in a troubled marriage, mm-hmm. you see the other person's faults. Mm-hmm. You see their weaknesses. Very rarely when you're in a troubled marriage do you self-evaluate. Mm-hmm. I never self-evaluated. I always thought Pete was the problem. I felt like she was a heathen. Mm-hmm. I felt like she didn't want this and she didn't want that. But what I didn't realize is that I was the leader of the home. Mm-hmm. I was the domestic head of the home. Mm-hmm. I was confusing knowledge and religion with spirituality. Mm-hmm. So I thought she wasn't spiritual. I wasn't spiritual. Mm-hmm. I just had more knowledge than her. I knew more Bible. I knew more scriptures. I wasn't an example to her. I wasn't loving her. I was loving me. I want you to be what I want you to be. I want you, I, I'm trying to create her because I came in with a fantasy. Many times when couples come together, they have this fantasy yeah. of what marriage is going to be like. Mm-hmm. Well, once I got married, that ain't what I want. That, that's not what I wanted. Yeah. And so now I'm trying to create her in my image, Mm -hmm. and I'm trying to change her. I wasn't trying to uh, motivate her. I wasn't trying to find out what you want to do, what's God calling you to do. I wasn't trying to support her. I wasn't trying to help her. Mm -hmm. I was trying to help me. What was interesting about it, I thought she was selfish. Mm -hmm. And I found out I was selfish. Tell them about when you you prayed and what the Lord told you about me. Because I didn't look like what the Lord told you. I'm going to tell them that when we get to how we're in a dog. Hey, shoot. 
So, so I have a, a, a few questions, okay? Because you, it kind of can go into what you're you're talking about. Maybe I don't, I'm not really sure, but you talked about God spoke to you that you had some issues with rejection, right. right? So for some people, they may be in a relationship and they may not even know that they have any issues, right? How important is prayer for? Because a lot of times we can go into prayer praying for the significant other. How important is prayer? for God to speak to you about yourself? Well, when I found out about my rejection, I wasn't praying for Pete. I wasn't praying about Pete. Mm -hmm. I was praying about me. Mm -hmm. And I went to the Lord and I I wasn't happy. I knew I wasn't happy. Uh, And I was telling God, something's wrong with me, but I didn't know what was wrong with me. Mm -hmm. I I was crying out to God. I was praying in the spirit. I was asking God, What's wrong with me? And the Spirit of God spoke back to me and said rejection. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know what rejection meant. Mm-hmm. So I had started reading. Joyce Myers had a book on rejection. I started reading other books on rejection. And then I began to realize, boy, you got some problems. Mm-hmm. I was driving down Birmingham Port Road, which is near our church, uh, Faith Chapel, Birmingham. And I was trying to sick, you know how you sick a dog on somebody? Mm-hmm. Uh, I was trying to sick God on Pete. In fact, I was telling him, she's just not doing me right, and you ought to straighten her out. I was telling God, I'm living for you, and she ain't trying to do this, and she don't love me, and she don't, she don't this, and I was just, you know, and I was going on. And the Spirit of God let me know, you're the problem. And I was thinking, <laughs> I'm like, how can I be the problem? I know more scriptures than she do. And see, it would, you know, the Bible said that knowledge will puff you up. Mm-hmm. I was in pride, but I didn't know I was in pride because mm-hmm. I knew more than the scriptures than her. But I was doing all this crazy stuff. And she's seeing me doing all this weird stuff. Yeah. But I thought I was more spiritual than her. And at that point, I think I began to try to look at me. Mm-hmm. Right. And how did you deal with your insecurities? My, I knew something was wrong with me, but I didn't know what it was. And my revelation came the same way. I prayed about myself. Mm-hmm. And God showed me um, through Joyce Meyer's ministry, I was listening to her, that I had some issues with self-esteem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We we have a lot more to go, so you guys stick with us a little bit longer. Um, I want to I want to get into this next phase of your life. When did when did Faith Chapel come about? How did that come about? That came about that January. Okay. And that's when we started in the house. That's what she was talking okay. about. We started in the we started a Bible study first, and then I figured out that's where the church was gonna start. Okay. And what she was talking about is after we had started the church in our house and all the people okay. were going through the refrigerator and all you. that. So you you were talking about calling. He was on board with, with what God had called him to do, and you really wasn't on board. <laughs> what advice do you have for somebody who feel like whether it be the woman or the man who feel like they have a calling from God, but the other spouse may not be on board with that calling. Well, what, uh, cause you know, Michael was doing so many weird things and he'd be saying the Lord. So after a while, you were like, <laughs> so <laughs> he said the Lord had called him into the full-time ministry. And I was like, brother, you're going to have to give me a word on this one. And so, um, he said, well, Lord called me. I said, well, if the Lord called you, he'll tell me too. Mm-hmm. So what I did, I began to pray. And ask God, is this you or is this him? Because, you know, he, he'll be saying the Lord's it and, and it'd be some crazy stuff. 
So I pray, and and I can tell you to this day, the and I wasn't, a, I wasn't, a, I didn't know that much about the Bible. I was saved, but I didn't know that much about the Bible. And so God does stuff for babies that He wouldn't do for a saint that's more mature. So I said, Ted. What do you want me to know? Do you want him to do this? And I got the Bible and I <laughs> flipped it open. And God worked with me because I was a baby. He's, and it said, this is of the Lord. And it was like it was magnified off the pages. It says, this is of the Lord. And it is in, this is of the Lord. And it is his doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Mm-hmm. So now I got a word that God, he ain't crazy this time, that God mm-hmm. has called him in to full-time ministry. Mm-hmm. So when those difficult days came, it made, it made it, it was difficult. I had a word from God. So I re- never really went, looked back. But some of that other stuff, you, I didn't have no word from God, and it wasn't God. But on this particular thing, I got a word from God, and I never looked back. There mm-hmm. were times that, you know, would, would trust, would uh, challenge uh, whether he should be doing it or not. But I always had that word, and I, I remember to this day, this is of the Lord, and mm-hmm. it is his doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Did, did the voice ever come up in, in you all's conversation during we this never challenging talked time? Divorce. time? We, we never talked about divorce. We wanted it, but we never talked about it. <laughs> <laughs> we wanted it. We, yeah, okay. I, felt, I felt trapped, That's but how- I was like... This is, uh, and I think this is a problem. Let's that talk is, about how we ca- how, no, how no, we no. made it through. No, no, no. I okay. want to say this. Okay. I felt trapped. <laughs> I felt trapped. But I'm a pastor's wife. Mm-hmm. Okay. If a if a if a if a member of a church feel trapped, they can go get counseling. They can talk to the pastor. Yeah. They can talk to late pastors. I'm the pastor's wife. Yeah. Who I'm gonna talk to? Yeah. I can't talk to my friends. I can't talk to church members. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't know a lot of pastor's wife and probably wouldn't have talked to him anyway. Mm-hmm. Who am I going to talk to? So I had to tough it out yeah. with God. I didn't know a lot of scriptures. I, I just toughed it out. But it was, I didn't have nowhere to go. I didn't want to go back home. I, I could have went to my sister's. I didn't want to. I didn't have nobody in Birmingham. I just toughed it out. And that was not really a blessing to tough that out because I didn't have nobody to talk to. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you how you all got out of it, but let's stay in it for, for one more one more moment. So you never talked about divorce. Never. Okay? never. We didn't talk about divorce. Do you think that there is a time or a period where divorce should be a, a topic of discussion? I think, I think divorce is, in some cases, the way of escape. Mm-hmm. Our marriage is a team sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you have people who haven't chosen to be married. Mm-hmm. They're still trying to be single. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't believe God intends for a person to stay with somebody who's still running around and doing all kinds of things like that. Yeah. I think sometimes uh, divorce is inevitable when a person has an addiction and there's abuse Mm-hmm. I think there are issues when children have to be protected because mm-hmm. sometimes uh, couples let their kids go through too much and it damaged them. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was a decision that we made and we'll talk about how we got out of it mm-hmm. because that's a part of it. But I, 
I think that there are times when God will lead a person to get divorced. Now, that may be different, and there may be a pastor or minister who disagree with that. Mm -hmm. I'm just talking from my vantage point. I think when we tell people, you got to stay in it, I think sometimes people get destroyed. Yeah, because we were married four years before we had kids, and it took us four years to come out that wilderness. And then, <laughs> it took us, and then it, it was like forty years. It took us four. And then it was ten, about ten years. Our trouble time were about ten years. Mm-hmm. That's a long time. Yeah, that's a long time. Yeah, and then what that what that show you is the, the is that sometimes you know those cases where you talk abuse and um, abuse of kids, abuse of the female. Uh, drugs and all that. That's, uh, but sometimes uh, young couples they want to give up so quick. Yeah. You know, it's not mm-hmm. abuse and all that. They mm-hmm. want to give up so quick. Marriage is is a, like you say, it's a team sport, and you got to work at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really loved him, um, and so I hung in there. Mm-hmm. You know, but it was some difficult days. Mm-hmm. So the last two questions that I have: What would you all do differently? And then how did you come out of that dark stage that you all were in where you had a lot of the disagreements? Can we answer just one? Okay. okay. Let's talk about how we got out. We could do different next week. No, I want to do one Or well, they can give you 10, 10 minutes and then y'all can go ahead and do both. Okay. Let give, me, give, us, give us about 10 minutes, y'all. Hang on in for okay. this. Okay. These are some things that I saw that in our early years of marriage. One thing, those early years of marriage, sex was great. No, intimacy-wise. <laughs> that I want to say about the first years of marriage, you can't change someone to fit the mold you want them to be. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't, he can't change me. I can't change him. That's God's. That's God's job to change a person through his word. You have to make peace with your past so it won't screw up your present. Mm-hmm. We had to make, he yeah. had to make uh, peace with the past of being rejected. And I had to make peace with the past of, of low self-esteem. That's good. If a relationship has to be secret, you shouldn't be in it. Mm-hmm. See, our relationship was secret. We hiding. In college, we ain't had no business getting married. We shouldn't <laughs> even been in that relationship. If a man tell you, we're going to keep this secret, our relationship, you ain't got no business in it. Um, no one is in charge of your happiness except you. That's During good. them early years, Oof. I was expecting him. It's his job to make me happy. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he was expecting me to make him happy. Probably was. But nobody's in charge of your happiness except you. What others think of you is none of your business. It's what God thinks of you that matters. In them early years of ministry, trying to be a pastor's wife, I'm trying to think of what people think of me because I don't know no word. I don't know no scriptures. So I'm quiet and I'm reserved and I'm fearful. And so really, as long as I'm doing what God wants me to do, I don't have to worry about what other people think of me. And so that freed me to be me. Okay. Um, you, your job won't take care of you if you ever sit. Your family will. So, in That's the early good. years of ministry, the church, if 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 they knocked on the door, he was running. Mm-hmm. We'd be sitting at the table, he running. Yeah. And so, 
you you gotta guard that. You know, um, his work. The church was everything. Mm-hmm. But in the end, if you if a person gets sick, see, you working, working, working twenty four seven. No time with your family. No That's time true. with your kids. That's true. But in the end, it's that woman or that man gonna take care of you. You gotta nurture that that relationship. Yeah. Okay. So that's what I got out of our... Uh... The, the, the one thing I got before we talk about how we got out, mm-hmm. the one thing I got is there's a difference between love and being prepared. Mm-hmm. It's a big difference. Yeah. You can love somebody. We loved each other. It just got sour because we weren't prepared. Mm-hmm. That's financially... Spiritually, spiritually, emotionally, emotionally. all that. We we were trying to bring two lives together, Mm -hmm. and we were not prepared. Um, And and I think it doesn't mean you got to have all the money. Yeah. But it does, because we never fussed about money. Mm -hmm. We didn't have it. Mm-hmm. Money wasn't really our issue. It was now we never fu- we never fussed about money, and once you got a word about full time ministry, we never argued about that. We never had a problem with that. We never doubted that. Yeah. We just didn't have it. Yeah. So you want to yeah. give us give us how, how you, you all how got did you out get of out of this? Face. How did you get out of it and get to this stage <laughs> <laughs> that we're gonna talk about next week? How did I get out of what this the, trouble? The, the dark phase is because you you had a lot of disagreements. You know, how, the how I got out of the dark phase is getting in God's word. Now, Pastor Mike has all his ministry has always been a blessing to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes it's hard to receive when somebody doing crazy stuff, you mm-hmm. know. And so I think for me, the two. The two ministries that really blessed me was Joyce Myers ministry mm-hmm. because hers is emotional. Her ministry is to people that are bruised or rejected. Or, so her her ministry really helped me meditating in her word and mm-hmm. building myself up. And another one that um, another ministry that really blessed me was T.D. Jakes. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I was bound, mm-hmm. but now a woman. I am loose, <laughs> and I was loose That's by good. God's word. That's good. And, and it's, it's 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 not no quick fix. I had to get in His word. I had to renew my mind on what 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 Satan telling telling me I was or wasn't, and begin to renew my mind to what God says I was or wasn't, and not what He wanted me to be, not what the church folks wanted me to be. I had to find my purpose. And what I did from from listening to her, he, uh, Joyce Myers and T.D. Jakes, I found out my purpose was working with kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't being the, the the first lady. I didn't. I mean, I didn't like that first lady because the first means second. I'm the only lady. Uh, so I had to find out what works for me, not what works for him, not what works for the congregation. I can't be who they want me to be. That's good. I'm, I was not, and ain't nothing wrong with it. A church lady with the hats, I ain't never been that, never will be. Church lady suits, never was, never will be. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I had to be free to be me. I can't be. It's bondage trying to be somebody mm-hmm. who you're not. And I just, the word set me free. Yeah. I'll give you four or five things to help me. Okay. Uh, what helped me to get to through the dark times was 
Uh, God spoke to me in 1984. He said, the word of God is the answer. Mm -hmm. Now, I didn't know it at the time, but it was the, it wasn't just the answer for the congregation. It was the answer for me. The second word God gave me is that a good pastor is an example to the flock. Mm -hmm. I really wanted out of the marriage. I really did. I felt trapped but I wanted to be an example. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be telling folks stuff and I couldn't say it was working in my life. Mm -hmm. So God told me a good pastor's example to the flock. The third thing I was, I, I finally decided to pray and ask God, show me Pete. I said, God, show me her. I gotta see her, boy, I gotta see. How do you see her? Mm -hmm. And I came across a passage in Psalms 128, and it jumped off the page at me. He said, your wife shall be a fruitful vine by the size of your house and your children, like all the plants around about your table. And I told Pete that God showed me that she was a fruitful vine. And for the first time, I had a vision beyond what I was seeing naturally. Mm -hmm. For the first time, I could see where God saw my wife. Mm -hmm. uh, and then finally, I think it, it turned around for me is when I began to self-evaluate, when God began to show me, you're the problem, because I thought I was an example, but I was an example. I thought I was a leader, but I wasn't a leader. I thought I was spiritual, but I wasn't spiritual. I was religious. I just had knowledge. And mm -hmm. so I told the Lord this. Because I didn't feel like I was, she didn't feel, she wasn't happy. And she, we used to talk about it. Mm -hmm. I said, I know you, I feel sorry for you because I know you feel trapped. I felt sorry for her. I said, I know you didn't have a chance to decide whether you wanted me in, in this light. And I said to God, I said, okay, if I'm never happy, if I don't get anything out of this marriage, I'm going to do my best to please you on this. Mm -hmm. And I decided from that point on that I wasn't going to be looking for nothing back. I was just going to give her. I was going to turn toward her. I was going to try to love her. I was going to try to care for her. And it, it changed because up until that time, I was trying to get some from her. Mm -hmm. But then I decided, God, whether she give me anything back, mm -hmm. she may never give me anything back. But I'm going to love her to mm -hmm. please you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just to recap, we um, we started off, as he gave the analogy, we started off in the beginning phase of their relationship. And then we went into the, uh, dark, place. Dark, <laughs> the dark plate. Uh, phases of their marriage and then it came next week we'll be discussing how um, the relationship grew and then lastly you have the mature phase and so next week we're going to be um, talking about that. If y'all have any questions, again, remember to submit those. And then before we begin, we do have um, some materials that we want to talk to you about because I know between now and next week can be a long time and you may really want to dive into some marriage um, topics. We can't talk about everything on here, but Ms. Pete has some um, tapes that you can get on MP3 or CD um, that you can purchase as well. And so she'll talk a little bit about that. Okay, because knowledge, um, you have to have knowledge, as we talked about this broadcast and the one before. So I just want to, uh, Pastor Mike has a couple of series that I think will be a blessing to you. 
Uh, you can purchase these products at mikemoreministries.org, as Tiffany said, in the CD or MP3 format. And if you order these uh, series during this podcast series, which will be six weeks probably, you can get these at 30% off. So the first one is the Law of Marriage. Um, and, it, and then in this series, it talks about the Law of Priority, making each other a priority, the Law of pursuit, Pursuing Each Other, the Law of Agreement, the law of possessions, because in our early marriage, what he made was his, what I made was mine. What he made was the family's, but what I made, that was mine. <laughs> and so I had to grow in that area, the law of possessions, the law of transparency. So this is in this series. The next one is the marriage checkup. Uh, and these, you can get practical tools to help you perform a checkup on your marriage. The next one is the rock solid uh, marriage and it talks how, tells you how to relate to each other according to biblical principles and not according to the worldly standards of our flesh. You need to know what Bibles, the Bible says and not what your friends say who have no word up in them. Uh, the next one is Communication 101 and in this you will learn the importance of what you say and how you say it to bless your marriage because it is important how you say things. And then this one right here, this is for all your single ladies. All the single ladies. The single men. All the single men, too. But this one is premarital biblical counseling. And this is, is this series is ideal for those ideal for those who are newly married, engaged, dating, and considering marriage, which is significant other, or so single and interested in marriage. So these these CDs, MP3s. They will be a blessing to you, and you can uh, get more information on MikeMoreMinistries.org because it was the Word that took us from dark days to fruit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Um, so we just want to thank you so much for your time. We know that we um, went over on time and we know that your time is precious. So we just want to say thank you. They have a lot to discuss. It's a lot that you all can learn from this. But we do want to recap that next week we'll be talking about the growth year. So again, share with somebody else. Invite them on. You can also share today's video as well. We thank you so much. And then if you guys have anything else. No. All right. We will see you all on next Tuesday. Bye. Bye.